This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. Hello, Dolphin fans, and welcome in to a special OTAs episode of Finsider Radio, The Jake and Josh Show. I'm your host, Josh Houts. You can follow me on Twitter at Houts, H-O-U-T-Z, and I am joined by the greatest co-host in the world, the one, the only, Jake Mendel. You can follow him on Twitter at J-M-E-N-D-E-L-94. We have lots to talk about today, but before we get into that, the world wants to know, how are you doing today, Jake? The best co-host in the entire world, man. We at, we uh. We're blowing up over here, it sounds like. I'm good. I'm good. Um, it, it goes to show that just a week after saying that uh, things are going to start to slow down, we're not going to have a lot of news, we have a uh, three-page roundup. So here we are. Yeah, man. It's funny because you and I were both ready to record earlier today. I reached out to you like I always do and said, you know, I'll be ready in 15, 20 minutes. That did not work out. Uh, long story short, my daughter would not nap. My oldest daughter was walking around the house. Daddy, why are you angry? Why are you angry? And I was like, honey, I'm not angry. I'm just very sad that I'm not able to come on here and talk to you about <laughs> the Miami Dolphins because, yeah, are you angry, bro? But um, <laughs> I, I'm just glad that we finally got to get on here and talk about it because, like you said, man, there's just so much that seemed to have gone on over the last week. Yeah, and it's definitely stuff that fit that mold of the I, the offseason that's a lot of um, theory crafting is a way I can put it where you're just kind of thinking about how this team can look. Uh, different scenarios that might not pan out. But, hey, that's how we get through a four-month offseason. So, Josh, let's start right away with, I think, the biggest news of the week. Not necessarily biggest topic in terms of, you know, maybe someone said something. But uh, uh, for the sake of adjustments on the team, uh, Melvin Ingram visited the Miami Dolphins on Monday. Yeah, and this was a guy that we talked about earlier in the offseason, Jake. I mean, he's a veteran player that, let's be honest, I don't know if you remember this, but for years the Miami Dolphins fan base, whether it was on – forums, you know, social media, whatever it was, has always been seemed to be linked to Melvin Ingram. So um, he's been working out today. There was video of him working out with Xavier Howard. So um, I don't know what's going on here. I don't know if they're talking numbers, but he's a 32 year old player that, you know, he was among one of the elite players in this league. He's obviously not the same player that he once was, but to think about bringing him in here to, you know, help these younger players, especially Jalen Phillips, that's exciting. Again, I don't know what the money is, but um, this is definitely a move that got the Dolphin fan base pretty excited. Josh, I'm going to put you on the spot here because I'm trying to think of it. There was an old guard, I believe it was. Um, I mean, I want to say this: these rumors ended 2016, 2017. And it seemed like every other day there were rumors that he was going to go to the Dolphins. There were just a trade waiting to happen. I think he was on the Eagles. Does this ring any type of bell for you? 
I mean, honestly, when you said that, I started to just spin a bunch of different names. So maybe it was an Eagles player. It could have been anybody, though, because, I mean, this fan base, we we love our veteran players from other teams. (laughs) Ain't that the truth in that? It's kind of what puts you into that 7-9 hole. Um, I'm kind of interested about someone like Ingram, uh, 32 years old. That You mentioned seven games last year. Uh, But he did. He did intercept Joe Burrow. I mean, he didn't intercept Tua, so so that's worth noting. Uh, the three straight Bowls from 2017 and 2019. Um, and Josina Anderson said, as of Monday night, Ingram and the Dolphins were still talking. And I think it was today. I, I apologize. I, I don't know who credited it. Uh, but said that the teams were kind of at the point where they're working out numbers, which when you're reading Twitter, you don't really know what to take away when you're hearing things like that. But if that's the case, it sounds like you're relatively close to a deal. And if there are two a team and a player talking in a situation like this, it usually means they're not far off on numbers. It's a lot like when our rookies are trying to sign that first deal. Obviously there's a cap on how much they're going to get paid and their salary is pretty much all set, but they're different. You know, the offsetting uh, contract negotiation talk in terms of injuries, uh, in terms of bonuses, those things can really take a little while to be worked out. So that could be it. And, And Josh, you have written down here. There's a video with him, Melvin Ingram working out today with Xavier Howard. Man, and I don't know if you saw it, but it literally had the quote, imagine this dot, dot, dot with the dolphin emoji. So, I mean, again, this is what fans were talking about today. And it's a player that's, uh, you know, a former first-round pick. He was 18th overall in the 2012 NFL draft. Had 49 sacks in his career, Jake. I mean, that that is impressive numbers. 14 forced fumbles, 265 total sacks. I mean, again, this is a guy that for many years was among the elite in the NFL and uh, just to think of what he can do to those young players and to think, you know, yes, they lost to Kyle Van Noy. Yes, they lost Shaq Lawson. To think of all the moves they made this offseason, then they could potentially bring in a guy like Melvin Ingram. Again, we don't know the numbers, and that could ultimately be where, where he signs because I do think he had a visit. Well, I think it's where, like, like don't get don't put the carriage in front of the cart here. There's, there's no sign that he's actually going to sign. Right, there is it. But, I mean, I do think he visited with the Kansas City Chiefs. He's now visiting with the Miami Dolphins. So, I mean, this is, again, like everyone's saying, this is probably the top veteran available in the market. So why wouldn't the Miami Dolphins have him? Because, again, um, he would fit a need and he would help with those young players already on the roster. Uh, yeah, the one thing that always stands out about Ingram is the fact he doesn't wear gloves. That's really something you don't see out of football players these days. But, hey, he certainly made it work. And I guess with someone like Ingram, Josh, the biggest question quickly becomes is where would he fit? I mean, you mentioned Shaq Lawson, who played tw- uh, 97% of snaps in week one, and that just kind of uh, – kept falling throughout the season and he only played 12 snaps in the final week of the season against Buffalo. And as Lawson's snaps decreased, uh, obviously he was traded to Houston. We saw Andrew Van Ginkle's snaps really start to grow. Uh, He had 45 snaps in week 17 compared to Lawson's 12 and he had 56 snaps in uh, week 16. So this is a guy that the Dolphins clearly grew to have more trust in throughout the season. So we have to expect Andrew Van Ginkle to play a lot uh, it's kind of hard to say be a starter because as we know at the Brian Flores defense, we know there are going to be a lot of guys who are flirting with I'm playing 60% of the snaps compared to a guy playing 40% of the snaps and what kind of package you start the game with, yada, yada, yada. But for the sake of this, we're going to say Andrew Van Ginkle is probably or is heading in the direction where he's going to play a, a large portion of the snaps for the Miami Dolphins at one of those edge positions, whether it's in coverage, rushing the passer, we know what Brian Flores likes to do, and that's a bit of everything. Then you have Kyle Van Noy, someone you also just mentioned. Uh, every game he played in, he had played at least 90 snap, or 90% of the snaps. That's a guy that that really, we were surprised about him being cut because we thought it's someone, you know, you didn't have to worry about him, right? He didn't really make super explosive plays, but he was always, you know, 
hitting the right hole, making the right block, and doing those plays that don't necessarily show up on the stat sheet. So when you're losing that in, in terms of 90% of a snaps per game, that that is kind of a area of need. And then you have Agba, who is always around 80% or so. So, Josh, you kind of look at what this room is and, and what it isn't. Uh, Melvin Ingram, to me, seems like a 28 to 40% of the snaps in any given week. Uh, on top of that, he kind of reminds me what Cam Wake should have been in his final years. I know the Dolphins kept him out a lot more than uh, he needed to, maybe in the 2016, 17, and uh, 2016 and 2017 seasons because of their lack of depth. I mean, the Charles Harris thing kind of speaks for itself at the uh, edge position. But I mean, I think Ingram would fit into that role where he doesn't have to, you know, rip out all the gas in the tank and really, uh, you know, push redline it. That's the word I'm looking for. The metaphor I'm looking for, where he can kind of try to stay healthy and really be there when the team needs him. You know for that late playoff push. Yeah, and I mean, I don't think any of us truly know what type of player Melvin Ingram is. I mean, the workout videos right. are great, but he's still, what, 32 years old. It looks like he started seven games last year, only had 10 total tackles, zero sacks. So I'm sitting here praising the man for his 49 sacks throughout his career, but he didn't even have one last season. So, I mean, I, I guess you really can't know what to expect with a guy like him because, you know, then you look back a year prior to that, seven sacks, and he looked like a normal player. So he has some um, experience playing outside linebacker, can play end on the line. But again, I think this would just be, again, a vet veteran presence that the Dolphins probably see the money, see June 1st coming up. I mean, they're going to make cuts. I mean, uh, I keep saying Jakeem Grant, but the Dolphins are definitely going to make some cuts and save some money there. So why not bring in a guy that, again, I think it's more about the leadership and what he can do and be that sure thing, you know, that you can plug in there. Yes, everyone thinks highly of Andrew Van Ginkle. Everyone thinks highly of Phillips. Agba, you know, the list goes on and on, but you lose one of those guys. You lose another guy here. Um, then you're up shit's Creek without a paddle. So I think it again, looks like the a, receiving core of last year. If, if, that, right. if that's what happens. Right. Exactly. And again, it, it, he can play multiple positions and Brian Flores in this defense, you know, Everyone on this team is versatile. So uh, we'll see where it goes, Jake. But he wasn't the only veteran that uh, was linked to the Miami Dolphins. And it's kind of funny um, in the way that Le'Veon Bell, the veteran free agent running back, was linked to the Miami Dolphins. He simply just, uh, you know, posted a little eye emoji or a little monocle, didn't he, on Instagram to a tweet about the Miami Dolphins and all the moves they made this offseason. But um, Dolphin fans blew up, and we all got a little bit excited to think about Le'Veon Bell. I, I don't think we remember that. It's not the same Le'Veon Bell that we remember from the Pittsburgh days because that was truly an elite running back for his time. Yeah, and it's, you know, time is a flat circle. We were having these conversations in the middle of last season, and it's kind of important to put this in context here where, you know, everyone was getting excited, like, the Dolphins should go out and, and, and sign Bell, yada, yada, yada. Well, you know, I, Le'Veon Bell isn't dumb. He knows exactly what he's doing. He knows that, you know, the Dolphins and, and uh, they were flirting with him a lot last season. They wanted to sign him. The Dolphins need help at running back. And this, his emoji, whatever it was on this Instagram post, he doesn't have a team right now. This is him literally saying, you up. And it's a you up text to someone you used to have a fling with in hopes of getting lucky. Uh, that's kind of what it seems to me uh, in terms of Bell. I wouldn't really say that there's smoke here, especially when it's a player saying something on Instagram uh, on a random account. I wouldn't really try to connect the dots too, too much there. Um, after being cut by the Jets last year, the Dolphins are really pushing hard to him. Uh, the Dolphins, unlike other teams, offered Bell a two-year deal, right? We wouldn't even be in this situation right now because the Dolphins said, hey, you know, I'll I'll be I'll be more than a fling for you. I'll I'll be two years. I'll be by your side. We'll ride and die together. And he said, Nah, 
he picked uh, winning over productivity. Uh, he went to the Chiefs. I actually have a quote here. I was torn between how much of a workload I actually wanted and winning, Bell said, during media availability uh, during the Super Bowl. The Dolphins were definitely in the mix. I was so torn between how much of a workload I did, how much of a workload did I actually want versus winning. At the time, after playing with the Jets, I was so focused on winning, I didn't really care how my production would look or how many touches I would get. I think I got frustrated after losing so much. Yeah, I mean... In theory, let's say Bell's 60% of what he used to be. He does fit what the Dolphins need in terms of they're going to stretch out the field uh, laterally in terms of you're going to line up five wide a lot of the times or at least four wide a lot of the times, and everyone's going to have 1v1 matchups. And as a result, Le'Veon Bell specifically is going to have a 1v1 1v1 matchup and he excels in a situation where he is faced with a linebacker and he can make a miss and then make another guy miss this is a guy you cannot tackle 1v1 so yes he kind of fit that identity that the Dolphins are looking for but I I think it's kind of worth saying here that I don't think the Dolphins really value running backs uh I shouldn't say that they don't value spending big or or drafting running backs high. I mean, I think they could have had Aaron Jones if they really worked for it. I think they could have, you know, drafted a running back each of the last two years in the uh, second round, but just to have it happen where teams quote unquote jumped in front of them. I'm just starting to get the impression that the dolphins prefer to use their resources elsewhere. And, you know, miles Gaskin was, you know, quote unquote good enough, whatever it may be. And the, the dolphins, they just don't really value uh, taking a running back or spending money on a running back. And, and Bell, he doesn't really fit what the Dolphins are, are focused on in those young, hungry guys who are going to kind of come in and, and just be consistent there every week for a young team and for a young quarterback. Yeah, I mean, I, I really don't know what Le'Veon Bell can truly bring to the Dolphins at this point. Um, I did pull up the, tw- the Instagram thing, and it was from NFL, and it said the Miami Dolphins made a splash in this offseason. It had a list of all their offseason additions, and he literally just posted yes, indeed, with a little monocle. So uh, that's where all this started. And maybe it was just Le'Veon Bell's way of saying, you know what, guys, I'm still out there. I'm still looking for a team. Um you know, to, to in a broader stance, not just to the Dolphins. He's just trying to get his name out there and remind teams that he's still here. But to me, Jake, and I was asked, you know, is he better than what the Dolphins have on the roster? And uh, right now, I don't see any way in hell Le'Veon Bell is better than what the Dolphins have. I mean, if he would have signed last year, we may have never seen Miles Gaskin do the things he did. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, to your point, you said how the Dolphins, you know, let's be honest, they are clearly, they, they don't believe in spending big on the, on the running back position. They don't believe big in, you know, drafting a running back early because they, we've seen that the last two years. But And they do have confidence in Miles Gaskin. But to me, the thing that I think that Le'Veon Bell does best, and you mentioned a little bit with those one-versus-one matchups, but you look back to his time in Pittsburgh, he was basically a slot receiver at times. I mean, there were mm-hmm. some seasons when this guy was seeing 106 targets. I mean, in 2017, he said he touched the ball 406 times. He saw 106 targets, caught 85 passes, Jake, for 655 yards. I mean, the guy was essentially a slot receiver that could also play mm-hmm. running back. So, uh, yeah, so that to me is what always stands out in my mind is just – watching Le'Veon Bell do those things and flex out wide and become an added weapon in that offense. And to think about him, you know, being paired alongside Miles Gaskin at backfield, then motioning out and becoming in the slot with the Jalen Wild, with Will Fuller, with all those other pieces we have, you know, Devontae Parker, I I can sit here and list them all day and night. Um, 
to think about what that offense could do if Le'Veon Bell is even half the player that he once was. I mean, that to me would be enough to kick the tires because you mentioned the Dolphins not wanting to spend big. Le'Veon Bell's not making big money anymore. I mean, he made all that money early on in his career. This guy could sit there and sign for the vet minimum, and I mean, his yearly salary would still be remarkable. So I mm-hmm. don't know whether or not the Dolphins will kick the tires here. Maybe it is a thing between do we want Melvin Ingram or, or do we want a Le'Veon Bell? I mean, and, and we're saying all this. We don't even know if the Dolphins have interest. I mean, again, this all came from the monocle. So the Dolphins probably are very happy with their running back room. You know, they brought in Dokes. They signed Butler this offseason. Again, Miles Gaskin, I think Studsville absolutely loves him. And Salvin Ahmed, I mean, and they signed, I think, Scarlett, Scarlett this offseason. I mean, they have a loaded running back room. But I think, to me, bringing in Le'Veon Bell, what would get me most excited is thinking about him again lining up in the slot and doing things as a wide receiver. Yeah, I, I think I'm just going to boil this down to this is probably the same as Ocho Cinco tweeting at the Dolphins, telling him he's still wide open. I, I wouldn't put too, too exactly. much. It, it's fun to talk about. I, I like the idea. And theory, he is the perfect fit. Uh, but, I mean, he didn't really look like that guy in Kansas City, and he certainly didn't look like that guy with the Jets. And you know, running back careers are short. So, I mean, it, it'd be cool. It'd be exciting. But but at the end of the day, I wouldn't get too too excited about um, the possibility of Bell or even Ingram because, I mean, the Dolphins have proven before they like to kick tires and look for those diamonds wherever they can find them. It just doesn't necessarily mean they're going to go ahead and sign them, kind of like uh, the opposite of the Dolphins of old where every single move was so telegraphed, every free agent signing – Every draft picked. I mean, it's like looking into the most clear crystal ball of all time. Hey, but Josh, do you want to take a quick break? And on the other side, we'll get into some of the uh, quotes from the press conferences now that OTAs are underway. Let's do it. This is advertiser content brought to you by Frito-Lay. Hello, I'm Chip Murphy, here to get you ready for the big tournament. Tonight, we'll break down. We break down who will be cutting. Cut! What are you two doing? Sorry, Chip. Prez here got his feathers ruffled when I told him Ruffles has zero chance of winning the title. And I was letting Dip know that she is not taking into account Ruffles' iconic ridges. Guys, it's March. We have to start talking about the tournament. We are. It is the 2023 Frito-Lay Snack-It. We're talking about big-time matchups between Cheetos, Smart Food, Lay's, Sun Chips, and more. Just head to the Frito-Lay Snack Bracket and vote for your favorite chip, pretzel, or dip for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. This sounds great. Keep up the good work. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends 4-3-2023. Void where prohibitive. Here's worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Assistant head coach and special teams coach Danny Crossman spoke on Jalen Waddle returning kicks this year. One of the conversations we've had a few times here, especially after Preston Williams and his injury uh, coming after a punt return his rookie year, uh, Crossman said that he will have a chance to compete, speaking about Waddle and returning kicks. Those guys will take care of that. We feel good about a lot of guys. It's a good luxury to have multiple guys that have experience. I don't think you can have any fear. It's an opportunity to change the game. Uh, I think that I don't think you can have any fear. Um, idea mentality is, is about that Preston Williams injury, right? You don't want your guy, your sixth overall picture and Waddle to return a kick and get hurt. But at the end of the day, returning kicks can change the game. And, and Josh, I didn't think this tweet was uh, that big of a deal. But somebody else had some other things to say. 
Jim Grant's agent, Jake, he actually quote tweeted this with a thumbs down saying something to the likes of with an all pro return man still in the roster question mark thumbs down to this, you know, just the idea that they're going to have an open competition as a return game. But Jake, to me, the thing that, uh, you know, really irks me is that people truly believe that the Dolphins, as smart as they are as a football team, are going to pay Jakeem Grant this year $4.6 million to just return kicks when he can't catch the football, Jake. Please explain mm-hmm. that to me. And, you know, to your point, I don't think the Dolphins should have fear in him returning kicks. I mean, yes, that's how he got hurt, um, you know, at Alabama. Yes, that's how Preston Williams went down. But explosive playmakers need to touch the football. And I think, you know, you have him there. You have Javon Holland. You have Noah Igbenogany. You have other guys that can return kicks. So that, to me, is why, um, you know, this irked me a little bit. Because are you trying to say that, you know, it's crazy to even have a competition for Jakeem Grant to return kicks? Uh, it's a little crazy to me. Uh, you you gave me a good chuckle here where you wrote, please send Jakeem Grant to Mars and save $4 million in cap space. And the thought I had is, would it cost less than $4 million to send someone to Mars? Like, just launch them. I'm not saying, like, you know, provide them with, like, the, the proper necessities. I'm just saying, like, you just say, you just send it. What, would that cost less than $4 million, do you think? Uh, probably that's a good idea that's a good question (laughs) inside i do love grant and you know it's 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 hard to kind of do these podcasts sometimes for because we want to be critical but we know these are people fighting for their jobs i mean i don't like a agent kind of coming out and saying this um especially after williams and other guys were returning kicks all throughout last year i believe there were games where uh grant was healthy and they had other guys returning kicks especially with his drop balls i mean if i was had anything to do with grant um, I'd be all, you know, head down and working because, you know, Brian Flores, the the only tweeting he's ever going to talk about is, is something negative and he ain't going to stand for that. Yeah. And, you know, to Jakeem Grant's credit, I mean, he is always that offseason warrior. You know, he is that guy that's always out there grinding. But to me, maybe the thing that irks me the most, I remember, I think it was two years ago, I said, you know, the Dolphins have to let Jakeem Grant do what he's very good at. And that's returning kicks. And and he liked it. And to me, that was his way of, uh, you know, using it as motivation, as me saying he's only return man. And I think from there, that's kind of where it all rubbed me wrong, because, you know, he's going out there and he's dropping critical passes. And you just can't have that. So it, with I mean, we talked about it all offseason. They have 13 wide receivers on the roster. So you can't tell me, again, that you're going to pay a guy nearly $5 million just to return kicks. That's absolutely crazy to me. Yeah, and I think it really boils down to what we said before. If Jakeem Grant kind of um, even, let's say, lived up to a $4.6 million contract, I don't think the Dolphins ever think about drafting Jalen Waddell. I'm not saying, I, I don't get me wrong, I'm not saying Jakeem Grant, is, would be anywhere near better than Jalen Waddle. I just don't think you see that as the same need in terms of maybe that slack guy who can t- take the roof off the defense a little bit and return kicks and be special uh, on special teams. Grant could have had opportunities to do that enough. You know, he was an all-pro return man. I understand that, but, you know, you, like you said, you need that. This guy isn't Matthew Slater making, you know, $1.8 million a year, right, just to be a special teams guy. This is a guy who was kind of called on to be part of the offense. He had his opportunities and it just hasn't happened. And that's where, you know, you, I think, I think Jakeem Grant's agent is reading the rearview mirror and it says, you know, objects are a lot closer than they, than they seem. And Waddle is right there. Um, You mentioned it June 1st cuts might come, but um, I think what Grant boils down to, you don't, need to cut a guy unless you have to right i think that's really what it boils down to i think he's going to get every opportunity to make the team but it is a very very uphill battle 
Yeah, and again, I think, let's be honest, when you look at a guy like Jakeem Grant, I mean, yes, he's a small, you know, yes, he has skeptical hands, but he is one of those explosive, game-changing players. And the Dolphins, I mean, they let he stuck around this long. I mean, it'd be kind of hard to cut ties, but again, at $4.6 million, that might be a little bit easier for the Dolphins. Jake, I did look it up. Mars 1 estimates the cost of bringing the first four people to Mars at six billion u.s dollars so um, uh, yeah we're not gonna be able to afford to send him to the moon but jake we're talking about the offense and the, the biggest thing of this offseason is that there's co-offense coordinators george godsey eric studsville they honestly did not tell us a whole lot of anything about who's calling plays but the biggest thing that we're learning is that this is a group effort and they're all kind of um you know taking bits and pieces from one another it says everything that's in there is ours we all have input we all have suggestions to things, and we all have experience. Every one of us have brought information, and hopefully we can use that to be diverse. So, Jake, what are your thoughts on what Studsville said about the Miami Dolphins' new offense heading into the 2021 season? The word new should be in capital letters because uh, this is probably going to be the biggest doubt about the Dolphins going into the season. I saw something today that Brian Flores had the fourth-best odds to win Coach of the Year, and the only thing keeping this team from being um, – not only playoff bound, but but fringe, maybe competing for a Super Bowl, is what is this offense going to look like? Is it going to take that next step? Something we've been asking for the whole, you know, even Ryan Tannehill experience, right? Uh, but Josh, I've seen people kind of, you know, panic a little bit. You see co-offensive coordinators, uh, you know, who's when something goes wrong, who's going to, you know, yell at who, who's going to take the blame, who's going to kind of run away from the blame. And, you know, we're going to see a lot of these stories about how this hasn't worked before. Um, actually, I, I think Greg Rosenthal of the Around the NFL uh, podcast, go, go listen to him. He, he's an absolute genius. We had him on uh, the In the Hunt podcast back in the day. Um, he said that the Patriots actually did it for a couple of years. So it's more of that New England way. Uh, but I'm kind of okay with letting this play out i think flores wouldn't get into a murky situation with guys like this uh, kind of sharing the roles and i think it's important to keep in mind too i mean charlie fry is just involved with this room uh this offense is anyone uh being in that quarterback room and it's like with sean McVay. anyone who smelt his deodorant got an offensive coordinator a head coaching job and this kind of to me sounds like a safety net right in the sense of hey you want to take one of our offensive coordinators? Go ahead. We got two of them. That's a good point. And the Charlie Fry thing, I think, is what gets me the most excited because, again, you look back at his time at Central Michigan, some of those, uh, you know, the pre-snap adjustments and just some of the modern techniques and schemes that he's using. I can't wait for him to bring that to Miami. And what he said was about this offense, there's been a lot of great discussion and great ideas from everyone involved. So, Jake, again, I, I think you made a great point. You know, if someone comes and poaches George Godsey way, you know, Studsville's still that guy, but – um, you know, I keep going back to what Flores said back in March, and he pretty much said if Chan Gailey went down with any type of illness or missed any time last year, Eric Studsville would call plays. And I don't know if you've seen it, but going around social media, you know, and I'm probably looking into it way too much, but I see Godsey in the background. He doesn't have anything in his hand, but I do see, you know, Eric Studsville front and center right next to Tua with a piece of paper shouting at the top of his lungs. So uh, it's all speculation, but I do think, you know, I do think George Godsey is going to be the play caller. Again, that is just my gut, but uh, I'm excited to see the way it operates. And I, are, are you? I'm more excited about this co-offensive unit than I was about Chan Gailey last offseason. And I mean, uh, you know, that's to me the biggest thing. Dolphin fans can sit here and be up in arms about this and that, but you sat here and you put faith in a 68-year-old offensive coordinator that burned all his playbooks and all his notes and came out of uh, you know retirement to to come in here and, and work with Tua and have success. Take a step back and trust in George Gazi, Studsville, and now Charlie Fry because I do think you know they're going to do 
what's best for Tua and what's best for this offense, and they got the pieces now. There's no more excuses. And that's that's kind of the big thing because with Chan Gailey coming in, we didn't see a plan, right? We had to squint really hard to see half a plan because the question simply became, what what's the deal in two years? And and we quickly got an answer to that. But it, this, you kind of see how that identity is developing. Uh, these are two guys in Studsville and Godsey who have been around the league for a while. And who knows, they might come in and, and shine and one or both might be taken away from the team. But I, I like this idea of having a lot of guys involved to keep that continuity going for the team. So so transitioning here to the defense, Josh, um, I think this Josh Boyer quote um, made me like him a lot more just because working with the media, coaches tend to, you know, you, sp- you stick to your same answers and the same are with players, right? You get tired because you got to work you got to rehearse everything you say in case you have some slip-ups or things like that uh but this josh boyer quote i mean it just made me chuckle because it's not something you're going to read at every press conference uh and he was talking about the week 17 loss to buffalo the one i still haven't rewatched. um i think the only dolphin game in the last 15 to 20 years i haven't watched more than once uh but he said they say each time you lose you die a little bit (laughs) i believe that and, and if each time you lose, you die a little bit, um, we died kind of a lot in that Buffalo Bills game. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and I, I guess it just lets you see that these coaches are human, right? Because, I mean, as fans, yes, a part of us all died that day. And I, I think I have the whole quote here. It says, I don't remember who said it, but whoever said the quote, each time you lose, you die a little bit. I believe that, and I kind of feel that. So, yeah, but you move on. It's like anything else. You move on, and you try to get better from it. So um, this is obviously sticking with the Miami Dolphins, and after that ass-whooping, Jake, I mean, is this not what you want all offseason? Do you not want that entire room, that entire team to be motivated by that Week 17 uh, annihilation. I mean, you had the playoffs in your hand. You had 10 wins, and you went up there to Buffalo, and you got beat offensive in all three phases. So I'm glad that this is sticking with them. I love that quote, and that we as fans, I mean, every time the Dolphins lose, I do feel like a part of me dies. I mean, you feel miserable throughout that week, and to know that this entire team and, you know, the defense in particular feels that way after that Week 17 loss, uh, I love that, and this is a quote I will absolutely use. It just kind of shows that personality, that, that little bit of, you know, everyone says uh, they'll vote for someone they can have a beer with. It, it's just in hopes of, of finding someone they can relate to a little bit. Um, and this is Josh Boyer kind of relating to everyone, and that that's kind of fun to see. Again, this it's the off season. I don't think this is the most game-changing quote in the world, but it's funny. I think these are the kind of things we should uh, take out and appreciate and, and get a nice little chuckle out of. Uh, Gerald Alexander, defensive backs coach, sees a lot of promise and growth in Noah Igbenogany this season. Um, there's a lot of growth in this podcast because we can say Igbenogany without a stutter, so we should just say that, first of all. Uh, but Alexander said, I think he has the potential to do a lot of special things, as we always thought of him. It's about putting the work in and being consistent. Um, you could kind of take this one of two ways. Uh, that it's about putting in the work and being consistent. You could kind of say, well, was he not working? Was he not balling out the whole time in practice? Was he not focused on getting better? Um, but this is a guy the Dolphins took in the first round at the end of the first round, but still in the first round because of his work ethic. Um, and Josh, the big issue here is, how does Noah Igbenogany find snaps to even try and prove himself? That's a good question, Jake, and I think it's going to come down to how much he can learn and, you know, 
take over that role as a nickel corner because I think that's what, uh, you know, when you listen to these press conferences today, everyone, you know, all, all the defense coaches are raving about knowing Benogny and, you know, how he's kind of soaking it all in and how last year was almost like, um, you know, just getting his feet wet and just starting to learn the techniques and fundamentals of his first work. I mean, right here is the quote. It says, again, this is a guy that hasn't played the cornerback position for a very long time in his career, not just his pro career. He developed a lot just as far as his technique, his fundamental footwork, his transitioning, and not to mention developing in our defense and what we're asking him to do. Now it's time to take really the next step and also learning some stuff on the inside. So, um, again, this is a player who is only 21 years old, can only could only drink a beer back in November, and, you know, some fans are ready to give up on him. Last year was just a year for him to get settled, to, to learn the system, learn the different techniques, get everything under him. And now they're hoping that this year he can go out there and, and put it all to work. And, again, all offseason, it sounds like he's doing the right things. But until they go out there, until we see him not get gashed by Stefan Diggs, you know, on a crosser uh, in the middle of the field in a crucial game, I mean, Dolphin fans are going to be a little hesitant. And, and who's to blame them? I mean, when you continue to look at some of the pieces that the Dolphins are missing, you look at a guy like Noah Igbenogany and using a first-round pick, and you just want to wait and see, um, you know, it all come to fruition. And that's the biggest thing. It's the same thing with Tua, man. Everyone just wants these guys to overnight, you know, turn into uh, an elite player. And that's just not how this works. Give the guy time. Coaches seem to be stoked. I think his biggest role is going to be at nickel if he can come in and, and really take over that position. But it's going to be hard. They got Justin Coleman. They got some other guys there. So I think that's how he would see the field in 2021 at the earliest. I think it's unfair that we say that the nickel cornerback's kind of the quote-unquote third cornerback because it adds that sense of uh, devaluing it a little bit to it. Uh, it's but probably it's probably the most important, right? It's probably the most important. You you couldn't – I have to you know agree with you. Obviously, it's great to have that lockdown corner who's going to shadow someone, uh, uh, a top-tier wide receiver. But, I mean, you look at a nickel cornerback's responsibilities – one, you know, you're lining up against someone on the inside, a.k.a. you don't have a boundary as like a bumper to keep uh, someone going in a certain direction. So you need to be ready for guys to break out in any possible type of route uh, just because there's so much field to work with. And then on top of that, you're at the line of scrimmage. You're in that front seven. You're in the box. I mean, you need to figure out how to stop the run. You need to figure out how to read the run. Uh, that Those are tough things to do for a 20-year-old, right? I mean, these are things that uh, Minka Fitzpatrick could do but just didn't want to do, right? And that that's kind of the difference of the player the Miami Dolphins are looking for here. And it, it's just kind of up to someone like Igbenogny, which is kind of – not kind of. It's very hard to do as a 20-year-old. Say, hey, just reel it back. We drafted you high, we have faith, but we need you to grow. We need you to trust the process because we see the vision. And it just kind of highlights that Nick Needham was really impressive coming in as an undrafted rookie in 2019 and, and really taking control of that slot cornerback job. Obviously, he's been up and down. And Justin Coleman, another guy you mentioned, I'm actually, as one of the more underrated signings of the offseason, man, I really like what Justin Coleman can do when he's not, you know, one of your top five players on defense where he can just kind of be a player who straight up does his job. I mean, I think that's the Patriots way. I think that's where you see guys who are, you know, relatively average at their position come in and play pretty damn well just because the Dolphins and before that the Patriots know how to give these guys an opportunity when you know the whole world is not asked of them and that's what the Dolphins are trying to do with Igbenogny they're trying to not ask the entire world of them as a 21 year old slot corner who's trying to learn the game and Justin Coleman does have familiarity with the system so who's to no one should be rolling him out of that nickel job and again that is one of the most important positions on the defense Jake, one of the players that, you know, the Dolphin fan base and coaches seem to be most excited about is Javon Holland, 
Gerald Alexander spoke highly of him and said he's been doing a good job of being attentive in meetings, gathering all the information. As a free safety in this defense, he has to right the wrongs and understand how each piece of the puzzle fits. Gerald Alexander wanted Holland badly at Cal, and he is happy to be reunited at Miami. And again, uh, you know, I heard Austin Clark say things about him. And Gerald Alexander said straight up, you know, oh, my God, I, you know, I tried so hard to get him to come to Cal, but he just realized that he was going to be a difference maker in that defense. So, Jake, you know, Bobby McCain's gone. A lot of people were wondering who was going to jump in there. It's clear as day now. This team is grooming Javon Holland to be that free safety. Give me your thoughts on this. The depth at safety looks so much, so much, so much, so much better with Bobby McCain there. And this is a pretty interesting scenario where the Dolphins are leading on a rookie, and, it, and it's just apparent this early. Um, obviously, they had three rookies starting on the offensive line last year, and then you throw two uh, in another starting rookie uh, for, what, 60% of the season, something like that. Um, but it, it's kind of a leap of faith to for this in Holland here in the second round. I mean, you do have Brandon Jones. I'm very comfortable with Brandon Jones, but I mean, he's more of that in the box guy. Uh, he's a lot like that Rashad Jones. And I mean, you have Eric Rowe for the tight ends and another guy who's gotten a lot better. And I think he actually spoke about this recently about how hard it is to make the switch uh, from cornerback to safety and, and nickel in the same light, because you do have to figure out how to stop the run. You know, you do have to figure out to how to defend different route trees, how to press at the line of scrimmage differently so i mean it's not a great scenario to be in when you're throwing a rookie in there and you're expecting him to be the guy but i mean it's kind of a luxury that we've been able to sit here for so long and, and well not so long but over the last year or two and see the dolphins bring in these vets or start to develop guys who can kind of not force the rookies have to you know having to carry the entire workload uh but josh i mean having guys like xavier howard byron jones even the jason mccourtney's uh, in the of the world we mentioned justin coleman who's been around the block for a while i mean having those guys in that secondary with you must raise your confidence just a little bit even as a rookie and that's what you kept hearing from the coaches was that some of these younger players seeing byron jones approach things by asking questions taking notes doing all the little things that a rookie would do is what some of these younger players are truly starting to see and realizing it always reminds you that Frank Gore thing, you know, the run, running backs would go out there and they see Frank Gore just outwork everyone. And you want to mm -hmm. be that, you know, you want to go out there and match that. So um, to me, it's great for this room. And again, I think the biggest thing here is that the dolphins are absolutely ready to throw Javon Holland. If he's ready out there at free safety. And I think we can both agree that, um, you know, when you look at the two players from a talent perspective, I think, you know, maybe Holland is eventually, or maybe even now it could be more talent than Bobby McCain. But the biggest thing that we're going to miss is just him communicating, getting those guys lined up. And, you know, this quote right here is telling you that's basically going to be the biggest challenge for the Miami Dolphins, getting him involved. Jake, uh, you know, we're talking about offense, defense. The biggest piece and some, uh, you know, one of the big players that we like to discuss is Andrew Van Ginkle. And you talked about it earlier, but Anthony Campanelli, the linebackers coach, came out today and basically said, we plan on AVG having the expanded role. He said, I think he's been a good communicator. He's very bright. He's always up in the office trying to learn, studying to get every little edge each week against his opponents and the players he's going against. That's a guy we feel good about. So, um, you know, we as fans, we love Andrew Van Ginkle. We love what he's become. But, Jake, tell me what you think about this and, again, um, what he's going to mean to that defense this season. I'm so excited to do our Jalen Phillips book club, and that's on the horizon. It's basically going to come down to – whenever we do or don't have news is when we'll really start to dive into that. And 
a big reason for that is because, you know, Andrew Van Ginkle, is this the year where we see someone really take that step up? I mean, we were saying the same things about Jerome Baker two years ago. And, and while Jerome Baker has been a no doubt in my mind starter and, and I'm perfectly cool with him being that uh, right inside linebacker. I mean, we never saw him erupt into that top tier player that uh, the hype was kind of built out to be. And hearing that Van Ginkle could possibly be that guy, I mean, it does get you a little jazzed up. Uh, but he was a very big boomer bust guy um, last season. And I think communication might be the difference, uh, you know, lining up a little differently or knowing when the run's coming or whatever it may be to develop that consistency that we saw, you know, quite a bit out of someone like Kyle Van Noy. Uh, so it, to me, I'm going to be interested to see how much someone like Jalen Phillips really pushes guys like Emmanuel Agba and Andrew Van Ginkle for starting jobs uh, because Jay, the whole speech is the whole spiel. I mean, the reason the Dolphins took him at 18 is because in practice, you know, just because he missed games doesn't mean he wasn't working his ass off. Just doesn't mean he isn't this athletic freak who can dominate a football field. And right. We got to see that in practice and we should, you know, see that relatively early him, you know, we should see him and, and hear that Jaws music because he's coming for these other guys and their jobs and he should really be pushing them to be the best guys they can be. But I mean, it's all about these guys taking control of these positions, right? That's really what it boils down to. And I'm not saying Phillips should do that as a rookie, but I, I think there should be uh, healthy debates about which one of these guys should be the starters because for as good as Agba was at the beginning of the year, he kind of dwindled down. And, and Andrew Van Ginkle, we're, we're still yet to see it completely come together. So, Josh, I want to ask you this question. I think this will be an interesting way to wrap it up. You know, we just talked about uh, the edge rushers and, and the safeties. I view those as maybe the two weakest parts of the Miami Dolphins defense. Um, I, I'd like to know from you, which position group do you think is the weakest for the Miami Dolphins uh, going into the 2021 preseason? Yeah, man. I mean, I guess for me, it would probably be the safety position. Again, you got rid of Bobby McCain, the communicator that he is. You know, Eric Rowe can do very good things. But again, you want to see a little bit more out of him. And uh, to me, again, I like what the Dolphins did up front. So I, I would probably say safety, Jake. Yeah, and I, I certainly understand that. And it's going to be um, a very unique situation about how Brian Flores is going to try to get all these guys rushing off the edge or rushing off the interior, just kind of rushing in general. Maybe they're playing YYZ by rush. Who who knows at this point? Uh, but I, I think that's a challenge that Brian Flores is certainly for. That's a reason why you take Jalen Phillips at 18. You have a uh, plan to get him involved right away. And like we said before, the, Unlike safety, unlike Javon Holland, I mean, Phillips is going to have a little bit of wiggle room. Like, he's going to be able to make mistakes and learn from those mistakes and understand what he's doing right, understand what he's doing wrong. Where Holland, it's might be a little more um, basic in terms of, hey, we, you know, we need you out there and it's going to be sink or swim. Jake, I think the biggest thing here is that versatility and players being able to play multiple positions is all these coaches talked about. All day today. So, I mean, you can't sit here. It's so hard to sit here and piece them together. I think it was Travis Wingfield, I believe on one of his podcasts, he said, you know, it's so hard to sit here and try to project this depth chart because, you know, there's just so much going on and all these guys can play different positions. You know, can is Phillips an outside linebacker, defensive end, you know, maybe an Ingram and all these other pieces here. You got safeties, DBs that can do a little bit of everything. I'm excited to see the way it all unfolds and excited to see truly the way they attack defenses this year because last season I think they are what, sixth in the NFL? They were top 10 defense. Let's see them take the next step, and it's going to be how these young players, like you said, carpe diem, seize the day. <laughs> and, and, you know, we're kind of assuming Javon Holland is, is that starter, but I, 
it's important to keep in mind someone like Jason McCourtney could be that guy to come in and really push for that free safety starting job. I think he's someone who can come in and just be very comfortable there and make that transition quite like Bobby McCain did. But Josh, I mean, I kind of said it at the top, but it really kills me how a week after I'm saying that, you know, we're not going to have a lot of news. Here we are with the three page uh, show notes. Team is offering us different questions that we can kind of figure out our own answers to and use that as a way to get us through these four months before this football season actually begins. Yeah, and I don't know if we should get too excited because I think, you know, after these OTAs, it is going to be that long haul where we're yep. just sitting here twiddling our thumbs. But, um, you know, it is. It's just crazy, you know, all these different pressers. And we could have sat here and, and broken down every single quote. This is an exciting time. And, again, this is probably the most hype that this Dolphins team has had in, you know, what, 20 years? I mean, we as a fan base should be as excited as we've been in a long-ass time. Yeah, and, you know, and if you really want to think about it, if we were a daily podcast, I would have gone for a half an hour and uh, about Will Fuller at $10 million for a year or Julio Jones at $15 million for a year, but but <laughs> we don't have enough time to go into that, but I think that'd actually be a fun debate to have, too, sometimes. But, guys, thank you so much for listening. Uh, you know the spiel that's coming, but... Uh, if you guys are enjoying this show, be sure to hit that subscribe button to know exactly when we are going to be publishing a new show. We're trying to get into a little rhythm here. We're Tuesday nights where we're recording now. That's a really good night for both of us. So you're hope we're hoping that you'll always see a show coming out maybe Wednesday morning, Wednesday afternoon, uh, a post with up on the Finsider talking about the podcast as well. I like sharing the show notes. I think it kind of adds that another level of what we're really thinking about, what we're trying to accomplish here. And hey, Josh tweets out every single quote that is said during these conferences give him a follow on twitter so you know exactly what we're going to talk about on these shows he can be found at h-o-u-t-z outs and i can be found at jmendel94 i'm just going to hit fire some weird takes uh left right wherever it may be but as i said subscribing is the best way to help out the podcast and on top of that if you are enjoying the show if you want to ask us some questions you can do that in the reviews Leave a review helps us out so much. It helps more people find the shows, and, and that kind of boils down to what we're trying to do here is make that community grow and grow uh, for this podcast. Yeah, I mean, please, guys. Again, there is no us without you, and we are just so grateful that you give us an opportunity to come on here each week and talk about the team we love. But, Jake, I mean, we got to do it, right? Thank you for listening to Finside Radio, the Jake and Josh Show. We'll talk to you next time. Fins up. Fins up. That was Finsider Radio, part of the Finsider.com and the SB Nation Network. Miami has the Dolphins, the greatest football team. We take the ball from goal to goal like no one's ever seen. We're in the air, we're on the ground, we're always in control. And when you say Miami, you're talking Super Bowl, because we're the Miami Dolphins. Cause we're the Miami Dolphins.